Welcome back to Round 12, the podcast that will always be dedicated to growth, development, and motivational mastery. I am your host, Sensei Roger B. Hamilton. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of the Round 12 podcast series. Let's go get it. Reaching for more. Like in this dedication, this is anti-hesitation. It's a real in celebration. It's a dime block declaration. 59th and 5th Ave, Granny House with vanilla wafers. It's the remedy to separation. Tupac of my generation. Blue pill in the open matrix. Red rose in the gray pavement. Young black digging trapped and he can't change it. Know he a genius, he just can't claim it. Cause they left him no platform to explain it. He frustrated so he get faded. But deep down inside, he know you can't fail. How long should I stay dedicated? How long till opportunity meet preparation? I need some real work and reparations. Or I run up in your bank just for recreation. Dedication, hard work, plus patience. To some more of my sacrifice, I'm done waiting. I'm done waiting. Told you that I wasn't playing. Now you hear what I've been saying. Dedication. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And when when we use the title for the episode, Reaching for More, we have a very special guest with us today who I think identifies what Reaching for More is. And ladies and gentlemen, if you would, please, please welcome Mr. Corey Lombard. Welcome to the program, sir. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Sensei. Appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure indeed. So how you how you doing today? Just uh you know, just how you feeling? I feel good. Um, I feel abundant today. Mm. Uh, I feel wealthy. Um, and I don't mean money. I mean, uh, I feel like some something big is coming to for some reason today. I've been feeling like that all day. Mm. Like not necessarily something big coming today, but something big coming real, real soon. So I've been feeling good today for sure. Well, you know, that's always incredible to hear. The whole nature of this podcast is to emphasize the positive and those things that are happening good in your life. So uh, you preaching to the choir on that one, sir. Uh, <laughs> I love hearing that. And I grow stronger from hearing that from you, too. Right. See, yeah. When you're saying that about your life and your condition and your circumstance, mm-hmm. it makes me feel better and stronger about my circumstance, right. too. Positive so that's an amazing thing to hear. Dude, how old are you, bro? 22. 22 years old, talking like that. Yeah. What do you think that kind of perspective comes from in you? Um, just the way I was raised. Uh, my parents always, like, when I say always, always preached uh, moral commitment. Um, and that's a term I didn't start using until I got older, like, because that's how I identified with it. When I was younger, I didn't really understand. Um, they, they would always preach that we're here to serve each other, right? My mom is a uh, big on um, the Bible, big on God. I wouldn't say she's a huge Christian. She did take us to church when we were younger a lot. So she would always preach that we're here to serve each other. And God put us on this earth to um, use our talents, abilities, skills, whatever it is you want to call it, uh, gifts to help each other and serve each other and help elevate one another. Um, because if we're not doing that, then we, we're aimlessly just living life. So... Uh, that's something my parents always instilled in me, always wanted to uh, make me understand. And that's something I didn't really get until I got a little older and started, you know, 
just observing. Another thing that my perspective um, really has been formed because I'm observant. My dad is responsible for that. Um, he used to tell me all the time, be aware of your surroundings. That's another thing I didn't get at all until I got in high school. Be aware of your surroundings, be aware of your surroundings. And I thought he meant like be aware of like danger, like somebody about to shoot up a party or something, be, be aware. And that's not necessarily what he meant. That's more so keeping your head on a swivel. What he meant by uh, be aware of your surroundings is pay attention to everything that goes on around you because it it could it really de- it develops you. You know what I mean? Like it it develops your mindset and it develops you know how you approach life. So what he meant by you know just be aware of surroundings is really just pay attention to what you bring around yourself. The type of people you bring around yourself, the type of energy you surround yourself with is important. So. Um, my perspective literally has just been formed around my parents and the type of family I was I was uh I was brought into the how the household I was raised in. So man, that is one amazing perspective. And you know what it makes me think about is that education doesn't just come from the walls of a high school, college, yeah, or university. Definitely. Oftentimes they come from simply paying attention to your environment mm-hmm. and what's happening in that environment. And absorbing the information can turn it into useful tools for development. And it's funny how I will always be a student of human nature. For the rest of my days, I pay attention to how human beings conduct themselves so I can understand what's going on in my environment and maybe even improve on my own behavior by watching others. too. So I think that that's right on the money. Yeah. You know, before we go any further, I think congratulations are in order for you. Coincidentally, we're talking about education right. because you recently graduated from Howard University. Is that right? Yeah, I did in May, May 11th, 2019. Mm-hmm. Started mm-hmm. August 24th, 2019. Uh-huh. Count the days, baby. May 11th, 2019. Yeah. <laughs> Putting in work. Yep. That, was, that was the longest four years of my life. Man. I know, but the grandest, greatest to date right, yeah. years of your life as well, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah, right? absolutely. Now, since I attended Morgan State University right down the street from Howard University in yeah. Baltimore, Maryland, Howard being in Washington, D.C., is yeah. that right? Yeah. Well, let's explore this for a minute, um, because Howard is known with an acronym called right. HBCU. Yep. Maybe you can tell the audience, for those that don't know, what HBCU stands for. Right. Um, it's... I feel like it's a big misconception about HBCUs, right? Um, a lot of people, when they think HBCU, they think, it's especially people that aren't black, they think, oh, it's all black college. Like, no, HBCU is historically black college. Um, and that's something that I, I had to understand when I first got there, because I had that misconception too. I thought it was going to be all black people there, right? Um, I get there and... There's people from Nepal, people from India, people from uh, Indonesia, Asian people, uh, white people. So, and there's so many different types of black around the world. Like we, as American, as African Americans, we sometimes forget that there are black people in other places. So, um, HBCU to me means, ironically, means diversity, um, because there's so many. Like I said, just so many walks of life within our own community that we don't even pay attention to until we're exposed to it. So that's what it meant to me, HBCU. And historical. 
I love that the word historical is thrown in there, right? Because when we talk about the American condition um, and our form of economics, and we say historically black, Mm -hmm. effectively, there was a time when that was the only place black people could go for an education. They were allowed in other places. So it's good now that we've, we've broadened the spectrum and everybody is invited. And I think it speaks to the absolute culture of us as a people, as a people and yeah. how we operate. We're right? so, so We're grand mm-hmm. huh? and excellent. And honestly, many times people don't think of us that way. So I love your description yeah. of what that acronym means. Right. So what was your major? At, um, uh, I majored in economics and I minored in political science. Mm-hmm. So. And why that? That goal and that structure of goals, as it were, for you. What What was your 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 personal goal and directive after all right. that? Um, I've always been my mom. Uh, she has always been a woman that's uh, very detailed, very structured, and uh, she's about strategy, right? Um, and I've always been someone who wants to own his own business, wants to be someone who's in business for themselves, because I feel like this country is made for the entrepreneur. So um, me, it was important for me to take up a, a major I feel like I could take into any field. Um, and I felt like economics was one of those uh, majors that you could you could take that degree and take it anywhere because mm-hmm. there's economics and finance behind everything. Everything involves, especially in this country, everything involves money somehow, some way, some way, shape or form. Um so that's really that's really the biggest reason why I, I chose economics because I felt like I could take it anywhere and it's a very well-rounded uh, major. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And when you think of economics and business, you think of numbers, mm-hmm. don't you? Right. That, that, that's crazy yeah, that you so. mentioned that because that's another misconception. Like economics, people think like for example on campus and people would ask me, "What's your major?" I tell them economics, and they'd be like, "Oh man, you're you're super smart. Like you're." And it's like, no, nah, I'm I'm actually not smarter than the than than you, really, because um, I'm not great with numbers, but I'm someone who like who seeks knowledge. So um, I find different ways to understand stuff. So I would use concepts more so than focusing on numbers because that would just confuse me. Um, I want to understand it first. Give me to understand it, and that's when I'll you know, that's when the breakthrough happens. So. Really, economics ain't all numbers. Um, A lot of it is, economics really is a science, um, which involves numbers, of course. But what I mean by that is, it's it's people oriented, just like anything else. So really, all it is, is the study of uh, consumer behavior. Really, that's really all it is. And there's two different ways you could look at it. You could look at qualitative, which would be more so looking at um, stuff that doesn't involve numbers. And quantitative is more so numbers, people that like that type of stuff. And there's two different ways to look at it. So that's just how I like to look at it. I like to look at it from the perspective of consumer behavior and paying attention to people and what they do, because that'll tell you more than you sitting here trying to crunch numbers all day. Because if you're not good at it, then you're just not good at it. And you got to accept that. So that's what I did, me personally. Yeah, effectively, I think you're describing accounting. Yeah. You know, accounting and economics are are slightly different in their focus. But what I love about what you said is the emphasis on science. Mm -hmm. You know, there's effectively a science to just about everything. Everything. Frankly. 
Yeah. Right. And we also get these misconceptions about what things are. And that's why I found the humor in throwing numbers at you. And you responded brilliantly because I think that it, it tells us that you understand, you know, what this is and its description and its function. And frankly, I also think about how that associate of yours who asked you what your major was and wow, you must be really smart means to me that they distanced themselves from, quote, being that smart. Right. And they'd rather not work as hard, et cetera. And I think what happens there is we give people an idea about just how smart they are when they're young. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, I'm not that good at math. And right. so they don't try as hard. Yeah. Oh, I'm not that good at English. Right. And then they don't try as hard. Right. And they limit themselves and put themselves mm-hmm. in a pigeonhole. Mm-hmm. Well, I always think pigeonholes are for pigeons. I think the rest of us can effectively be as good as we want at many, many things. Only nobody really told us that. So I I always think in terms of those folks that give us those limiting comments to, you know, broaden your spectrum a little bit, man. Open up your dreams, open up your desires, and a lot of great things can happen. Right? Don't you think? Yeah, that's that's something one of my professors mentioned, actually. Uh, My professor for, uh, I think it was macro, macroeconomics. Mm -hmm. Um, He told me. I had mentioned something in his office, like, I mean, I guess everybody ain't smarter, we'll do, we'll do, something like that. And he said, no, I'm going to stop you there. Everybody is smart. I don't care who they are. Everybody is smart. And everybody is inclined to do something. They're good at something. So um, it's funny you mention that because, uh, with especially within this with topic economics, because my economics professor told me that exact same thing uh, about a year ago. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Well, I'm honored and pleased that anybody who's moved on in their teaching career would be thinking similar to me because I I approach it all very humbly. My job is to learn. My job is to grow as a human being for the rest of my days from here. Mm -hmm. So it's good for me to parallel with somebody who's using their brain as well, too. So bravo to him and I'm glad I could humbly be in there in his, uh, you know, in his category as right. it is, you know. So hopefully we'll keep thinking good thoughts as we move forward. You know, it's funny. This is a good segue as we're talking about Howard and we're talking about your professor. You know, what do you think the experience at Howard did for you? Did you get a perspective about their history and and what their goals are as an institution and what to teach you? You know, what do you think about that experience? Um, so Howard's. Um, motto is truth and service, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that goes back to what I mentioned earlier, my upbringing. Um, it parallels with that. Um, always being someone who's pure and, and genuine, a genuine heart, and is about service, serving other people. So it's important to to when you are serving people, you have to have a genuine heart. You have to you have to be pure because if you're not. You're going to have a lot of ulterior motives and you're going to be manipulating people. Um, and that's not serving people at all. You're doing a disservice to uh, community, to, to the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You're doing a disservice to society if that's what you're doing. So um, what about your present question? Well, effectively, what, how did, uh, you know, attending Howard affect you on what you learned from them right, right. historically okay. and all, and also the sense of support. I think now that you've answered that partially, I don't even have to ask you about the sense of support. It sounds like they really did give you a sense that they were supporting you in your yeah, efforts. Definitely. Um, I feel like Howard definitely, um, completely changed my perspective about entrepreneurship. Cause like I said, when I was a kid, 
I always wanted to own my own business. I always wanted to explore that, but I never knew what that looked like, right? Mm-hmm. Until I went to the East, particularly Maryland, right? As you know, you lived in Maryland. Uh, you went to college there. So you know in certain parts of Maryland, there are very uh, affluent Black people. Um, and that's the first time I've, I've ever seen it with my own two eyes. Mm-hmm. Like Besides somebody that, you know, is selling drugs or mm-hmm. doing, doing something in the streets mm-hmm. to get some money, mm-hmm. some fast money. I've seen people that are like Black and wealthy. Um, like for real, businessmen owning businesses, mm-hmm. their wife owns a business, their kids are going to, when they retire, their kids are going to take over the bit. Like I seen that with my own two eyes and it was like, dang, like it's possible. Like I can do it. It's people that look like me doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's when I really decided, okay, I need to figure it out because I, I'm i going to own a business. Now it went from, I want to, like I, I, that's my dream. I want to do that too. I'm going to do it. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm committed to it. I'm dedicated to it. It's going to happen for me. So um, that's that's one thing that Howard did for me, for sure. And another thing I feel like Howard really, 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 um, I want to commend that, that school for is just really changing my perspective on self. Um, if that, that school, being there for the four years, really made me more self-aware. Um, it gave me a lot of time to uh, self-reflect. Um, being away from home, being away from friends, family, you really get to understand who you are. Um, and I was just talking to somebody yesterday about this. It's funny. Um, I feel like there's two stages to like really finding yourself. Um, the first stage is like self-awareness. So I feel like that's what school did for me. Um, just being more self-aware and, and, and watching myself, observing myself and what I do in certain situations and how I handle myself. And then the second stage would be taking that awareness and that, those observations and doing something about it, trying to improve on your flaws or um, leveraging your weaknesses with, Great, bro. Yeah, with, with people that you, um, you're building with. Um, and then using your strengths to leverage to leverage their weaknesses. Like so and I feel like I'm in that stage right now, the second stage, just using those observations that I that I had in school and. Um, and when I was coming back home for breaks, you know, kind of using those those situations, those observations, and then working on those and my flaws and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I feel like those are two big things I, I took away from Howard University for sure is just my perspective um, on entrepreneurship, my perspective on myself. So, well, I commend you for your clarity of thought on all this. Right. Um, and, you know, th- that um, study that you put into uh, your major economics and in the environment you you did it in, it's showing in you. It's it's emanating from you. Right. I mean, I think that the way you're representing what happened there is very very positive. I'm just pleased to have you. I think that the uh, the comprehension you have over all this is really outstanding. Now, speaking about coming being from California originally, right. gosh, you, we went to school a long way from home. How did that feel? Any lonely days? Any craziness over there? Or did you make a quick adjustment? How did it feel? You know, it's crazy. I'm one of them people. I'm so adaptable. Like, and it's it's like, uh, as humans, of course, we're all we all have adaptability. Uh, we all adapt. It's just natural. But some do it quicker than others. Um, and my dad would always preach to me like uh, a man is always. Um, able to adapt to his environment and his circumstances. So that's just something I, I always um, always sat with me. 
And when I got in college, it was just no different. Like when I got there, I adjusted quick. Like I'm a very quick learner. I pick up on stuff very fast. And once I once I learn it, once I get it down, over game over. Like it's over with. So mm-hmm. that's pretty much yeah. That was cool. But the only thing I feel like I had a hard time adjusting to was trying to be a student athlete as a college student. That was the only thing that I didn't get down maybe from like until my junior year for real. Um, Man, I got to jump in here, too, because the synergy that you and I are operating from here today is amazing to me. And I'll tell you why, because I was just going to ask you about uh, your entrance as a student athlete (laughs) into Howard. And this is the same thing that happened on the the previous six questions, actually. Mm -hmm. So I love your flow, baby. Just (laughs) just keep going. Stay with me. That's beautiful. Uh, As a student athlete in the past myself, too, and riding those buses to meets and et cetera, uh, I know what those challenges are and studying, mm-hmm. trying to keep up. So so tell me what your experience was like in a bit of detail. Was it generally a uh, study? Was it something you did like every Tuesday? You always sat in the library or did you have a rhythm or did you just try and catch up as best you can? I feel like for me, it was just self-discipline, really. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That was the first time in my life I was on my own. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I was so far away. Mm-hmm. So. I adapted to a lot of things like easily, like the environment, um, the people, you know, just the community. That's what I adapted to fast. But the the hard the the, the hardship I had was adjusting to the self discipline I needed to have in order to be a successful student athlete. Um, for example, my very first meet in college, I got suspended for that meet because oh. I didn't. Um, I didn't finish my study hall hours. Oh, no kidding. I didn't finish my study hall hours. And I missed out on the opportunity to make the relay team the first meet because I'm sitting here BSing on study hall. And all all I got to do is go in there and and sit. Like, my excuse was, it's too hot in there. Or I don't ever get nothing done in there. And, And I didn't realize those were all excuses until I got older, two years later, my junior year. That's when I started really starting get more self-aware and starting to understand who I am, why I do stuff. So yeah, that was, that was definitely what I had a hard time trying to adjust to just student athlete life, trying to keep up with your studies and be good on the track, being up at six in the morning mm-hmm. and being up at two in the morning studying. So mm-hmm. six in the morning for practice. You know, I'm hearing this and having learned so much about life myself too. And, and many of us, I would easily say most right. of us, and especially men, we're a little dumb in the beginning. Man. You know, and you're talking about your pops here now. It's funny how the older you get, the smarter he gets, right? Yeah. That's, <laughs> man, that, that's a good way to put it. That's because when, when, like when I was that. younger, it's like something he said, I'd be like, you yeah, know, all the advice we give you in yeah. the world doesn't mean anything until it means something. Yeah. Right. So that's why parenting can be a difficult task, because you're you're speaking to deaf ears sometimes, but later it all adds up. And so I'm just so happy for your father. You know, of course, I know your father very well. And he's yeah. an outstanding man. Great coach as well, too. Yeah. So that helped you with that mentality. Mm-hmm. And he could have held it back if he wanted to. He, right. was, he was preaching to you all the time. Like, yeah. look, son, I got to have you make it. Yeah. And of course, you know, my son, Ali, I've been talking to him in his ear the yeah. same way. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just got to tell you, just bravo, man. Bravo. I think that's why me and Ali are so close, too, because mm-hmm. I think uh, our fathers, not it wasn't exactly the same, but it was similar to just y'all always being teachers 
Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And not always approaching us as a, a mm-hmm. authority figure. Mm-hmm. Y'all would come and mm-hmm. talk to us mm-hmm. instead of trying to be. Now, of course, I got whoopings. Well, my dad old school, so <laughs> yeah, so why? Yeah, I, I seen you whoop Ali from the school before. So I, oh my God, it was I bad. Huh? I oh know. So yeah, I got approached a lot as a as a student to a teacher from from my pops a lot. So that's something I definitely appreciate him for. Um, not always wagging his finger in my face, more so him trying to teach me lessons. Well, I think you're trying to impart some wisdom, some knowledge, and you want them to get information that sometimes you can't get them to hear without stopping them in their tracks. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really all that thing is, that whole physical part. Because if someone loves you desperately and they haven't like abused you or whatever, and they, mm-hmm. they're trying to get your attention, right. they're trying to take the message they're giving through your ears and bring it through your body so Basically, they can yeah. all connect, right? Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if we even realize the science when we're doing it, but right. we just know we're committed, we're 100%. And on my watch, I can't let this kid fail. I gotta get it in his head somehow. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny. It's um. It's a strange place to be too, because you don't like having to discipline. And in my house, I was more the disciplinarian than my wife, and she wasn't. Mine too. Mine see, you see, what I'm saying. So yeah. I was the guy. Mm-hmm. So it's a tough job sometimes, you know, because you want to just have fun and play with your kid if you can, but you can't let them fail. So hats off to him. Yeah. You know. When you think about Howard and we talk about it so elegantly, I just I just love this reflection. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think you learn most about yourself if you had to describe it? What do you walk away with this saying, you know what? I really realized this about myself since I left there. Uh, influence. Mm-hmm. Um, people, a lot of times I've, it's weird because I have influence, but I'm so low key and I fly under the radar like. People don't be paying attention to what I'm doing because I'm so quiet about what I do. I'm very, I learned that I'm very strategic and that I have influence. So I didn't, I didn't start learning I have influence until recently. Um, but at Howard, like leaving Howard, I definitely knew that I was, I was a strategic person um, because sometimes I would miss out on opportunities trying to be too strategic, mm. right? So that's something I'm also learning as I, as I'm. Um, going into the business world and as a professional, sometimes you just got to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I definitely learned about myself is that I'm very, very uh, strategic, almost to a fault. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, dang, I just lost my train of thought. What you learned, what you took from there, and actually you've shared it really well, right. this idea of being a, a, a thinker, as it were. Yeah, okay, yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. That's where I was going. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very strategic and I'm also a, abstract thinker right um i I, I learned there's two sides to me there's two sides to me i feel like there's the the intellect Corey, and then there's the goofy Corey, like the 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 side that a lot of people don't see um only people that see it people like ali jaylen jamar yeah so understandable exactly so i learned that i'm very guarded um in that so those are three things they've learned about myself. Well, that's interesting. I used to tell Ali and his brother, Omar, of course, you know, mm-hmm. before they left the house, anytime, every time, mm-hmm. especially when they got older to go on their own, yep. just keep your eyes on. Right? That was our phrase. Keep right. your eyes on. Right. Now, all that means is just pay attention to everything going on around you. That way you can be wary of danger and surprises, et cetera. And also you can continue to learn. Like we talked about that university in the world. 
at large. Mm -hmm. It's not just four walls, not just an institution. It's in the world. And that that learning is sitting right there for you. So I love the idea of you keeping your eyes on, let me tell you. Well, it's funny. You're fortunate enough to come from a home with uh, married uh, parents, mother and father. Mm -hmm. And that's quite a blessing. Yeah. You know. Understated how how rare it is. Right. Talk to us a little bit about that, how it's affected you. What's what's family mean to you? Family means everything. That's honestly what, what I, I literally want to own a business for my kids that aren't even here yet. Um, legacy is important to me. My dad always would tell me being a Lombard means something. And I didn't, mm. there's another thing I didn't get until I got older. Literally till I, my last year in college, I started to realize how important legacy is. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my favorite human beings ever, not just one of my favorite rappers, one of my favorite humans ever, uh, Nipsey Hussle, was very, um, he, he emphasized legacy. Um, how will you be remembered? Um, that's important to me. I don't, I don't want to die one day and people remember me as a, as a, a a-hole or as someone who never strived for anything or wasn't ambitious or never had dreams or never had goals. I don't want to be remembered as that. I want, I want to die and my grandkids say, damn, Grandpa Corey did that. Like, I, I, I want to be that for my family. Um, and now I didn't come from a rich family, but a rich family is going to come from me. Um, well, from what, what I, I know feel. from your folks, brother, you, you are one of the richest men in America in <laughs> one way or another. Economics <laughs> I never thought about, but I know them both. And right. they are some outstanding people. Right. And I think it shines through you, um, the effort that they put in and raising you and loving you. Because mm-hmm. not, it's not all them doing the work of raising you. Because many times people have said to me, man, you must have been a really good parent. Your, your sons are so good, so nice. I'm saying, no, no, no. They did the work. Mm-hmm. All I was was a guide yeah. along the way, mm-hmm. along the path. Exactly. And so honestly, you rich, brother, in my opinion. You I know? appreciate it. And so how do they feel about your experience at Howard? What do they say in the folks? Because, you know, I know that proud parents seem <laughs> drone. Talk to me about how they talk to people about Howard. My dad is one. My dad has always been the type of father to brag on, on his mm-hmm. kids. Um, it don't matter how small the accomplishment is. He's going to tell his friends, his co-workers what his sons is doing, what his daughter just did. He don't care who what they think about it or or who's gonna listen or not gonna listen. He's gonna he's gonna brag on his kids. So my pops always was talking to his coworkers about how good I'm doing. Your pops talk anyway. He yeah, he can talk. Yeah, my dad long winded. Anybody know my dad? Man, he can talk <laughs> hours. And I'm the same way. Like I get that from him. I'm a conversationalist. Like once I get in a conversation, it's almost like the world stops. Like, um, and I love that about myself, but I hate it about myself at the same time. Because um, sometimes when you get, when you talk too much to somebody, especially as a businessman, sometimes you can vomit on people, mm. give them too much information. Mm. So um, that's something I'm trying to uh, reel in right now, trying to figure out when and when not to do it. But anyway, that's off on a tangent. Well, you know what? As a sales professional, I have been for a long time. I've been in sales directly as a profession since 1977. Okay. And that's, that. that's my profession. And mm-hmm. along with martial arts, and I started martial arts the same year. Effectively, what we've learned in that profession is you don't want to show up to a customer, show up and throw up, meaning some people get there and as soon as they do, they start talking about all the things they can do and all the things they have and selling, 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 selling. Mm -hmm. But there's something I picked up in this whole journey is maybe that's why God gave us two ears and one mouth so we could listen twice as much as we talk. Mm -hmm. 
So it's something you learn along the way. You can't find out how to fulfill someone's needs. And you had talked about supporting people earlier, et cetera, yep. et cetera, unless you start to understand what their needs are. Exactly. You can't discover it without listening. Exactly. So good to catch yourself on that. Yeah. So I would say to you going forward, continue to find balance. You yeah. know, next to love, balance, the most important thing in the world. Yeah. So, I, so do both. You know? um, it's funny you said that. Like I said, one of my favorite human beings ever, Nipsey Hussle, he preached balance all the time. Mastering your energy and always being a, a man of balance because a man with no balance isn't a man at all. He falls. Yeah, definitely. So And it hurts. Yeah, it does. It does. It's, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's painful sometimes. And sometimes it hurts in ways that you find it very difficult to recover from. Yeah. So the sooner you find balance, the better for your for your movement, as yeah. it were. It's a painful process, for sure. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes, because it forces us towards self-awareness. Yeah. We have to take personal inventory on mm -hmm. who we are, what we're thinking, what's important to us, where we're trying to go. Right. That's the thing about establishing goals, too. You uh, really have to take a few minutes and figure out what you're really trying to do, and then yep. set it. Yep. And then get to the business of doing it yeah. and then adjust along the way because sometimes things don't work out exactly like you planned. When you say that. And that's the thing. That's we was just talking in a meeting today um, in San Jose about about uh, goal setting, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people don't plan to fail, but they fail to plan. Yeah, sure. So, and when you fail to plan, you do plan to fail. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So... We was just talking about how people a lot of times they hear they hear wealthy people as it says people saying you got to have goals you got to have this this you got to be goal driven, which is true. But there's there are two major steps before you even get to the goals part. First, you got to have a dream. You got to have something that you're that you're chasing. Um, you got to chase a dream. Period. Period. Point blank. The second thing is you got to have vision. Um, and all that means is this direction. Where are you going with this? What do you where do you see this going? Where do you see yourself five, ten years from now? Vision. And with that vision, that gives you your goals, right? Because goals are temporary things. Because um, once you hit them, you gotta set new ones. Um, that's the elevation about it, the elevation part. That's how you get higher and higher and reach for more, like you said, your title. So yeah, that's how I feel about um now, it's interesting with dreams, too. Dreams and, you know, your forward direction are emanating from dreams. And so essentially we're talking about establishing a connection with your truest why. Like, mm. what's your yeah. why? Yeah. I'm running track. Why? Well, I really love it. And ever since I was a kid, you know, or I'm majoring in economics. Why? Right. Hey, I'm, I'm in a business uh, opportunity and I'm really progressing. So why that business, et cetera, et cetera. I think the sooner you can get in touch with your why, mm -hmm. you can figure out your how, yeah. you can figure out your why, when, you can figure yeah. out your where, mm -hmm. exactly. and adjust accordingly. Huh? Exactly. And that's that's one of the, the hardest things to do as a like transitioning from a, a college athlete to a, prof a professional in any business is um, – trying to find those whys, right? Because this, the structure of regular life is so different than, than sports. Sports is something that keeps you aligned with discipline. And yeah, you right? can depend on the rule yeah, structure, right? Exactly. Isn't that funny? Yeah. You, life you, works yeah, different a you, little bit. You lean, you lean on that like you're yeah. looking for that. That's something yeah. that you're seeking. Yeah. Life is, requires 20 million times more self-discipline than sports ever did mm -hmm. for me. Um, mm -hmm. You got you to gotta really be a self-motivator. Um, 
you cannot be someone who is, you know, um, who doesn't talk to themselves, who doesn't, who's not doing your affirmations, not talking to yourself all the time not, and not being positive. Because the moment you are negative for too long is the moment you lost yourself. So mm, the um, proverbial self-talk. Yeah. And it's going on all the time. Yeah. Not just every minute, but every second. It's going on all the time. Right. And if you don't learn to tailor it so that it says encouraging positive things to you to move you forward, mm-hmm. it tends to work almost in the opposite yeah. direction, doesn't it? It's like two different voices in your head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Competing. Yeah. Right? Literally. For the audience. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I something that I've fought. I still fight to this day. I'm probably fighting until I, to the day I die. All of us will. Yeah. But frankly, I've learned that the only thing in this world, anywhere, that you can fully control, not the weather, not taxes, what your mom's making for dinner, you know, whether your car is going to break down or not, is your own thoughts. Right. When you can get a handle on those, right. then suddenly you have a handle on your life and you can start to drive your own car. Right. As it were, yeah, makes a huge difference. Definitely. If you had, if you wanted your, fa- if your family, like they're not here, so mm-hmm. you know, and if you wanted them to know something, what would that one thing about you that you would want them to know collectively? What 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 is it about Corey and mom, dad, sis that I'm gonna want y'all to know that I'm a leader, and I think my parents understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my parents and my middle brother, my uh, Brandon, I think he understands that too. That I'm, that I'm a leader. Um, my oldest brother too. I think they actually all understand that. Now that I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Let me find something different then. Nah, hey, let me tell you something. They may, uh, as is many times the case with us uh, parents and all, we we know the kid pretty good. You right. know, when we raise him, so mm-hmm. they may already know it. But I think it's really important for you to say this stuff out loud. I think first for them to stay continually connected with you, but then also for you to be as clear as possible about you as well. Right. The only thing we say it out loud and actually we acknowledge that it's really hard. I got another thing. I'm a leader and I'm also, I'm very open-minded and that's something that my mom does never understand, will never understand about me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause she's so detailed. Like that's why I say it's two different yeah. sides to me. I know your mom. Yeah, she's so detail orientated. Like if it doesn't, if you don't have a written out plan from start to finish, she's gonna be like, um, "I think you should rethink it." Mm-hmm. Right. And my open mindedness comes from my pops, because um, he is like you said. Like the, the, it, it really strong. It really comes from him being someone who can talk to somebody for hours. Right. And out of that conversation, my dad will come out with like five different perspectives and he'll even tailor his perspective to the person that he's talking to because he's so open minded. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a selfless man. He's selfless and he's all be super open minded. So um, that's something I've, I feel like I picked up from my pops, like just watching him over the years. You know, that that just really moves me because I think there's a place for both parts. Yeah, yeah, and and I feel like that's where I find my balance at. We're right back to balance again, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's an amazing (laughs) thing. Yeah. And this is where you're truly blessed to have both those parents. Yeah. And what we've learned, and I've talked to my wife about this quite a bit over the years, and even if we are not agreeing on something and having an argument or whatever the case may be, we've determined that our kids were better off having both of us. 
Yeah, one of us could do the job. That's yeah, cool. I'm mad at that fool. I don't want to be with him anymore. Let me, I could raise him myself and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but frankly, we, we, we've we learned that I think um, altering perspectives are healthy for a human being. To yeah, see, contrast you know? is, is something that is looked down upon, but it's, it's important because, mm-hmm. it, like you said, it gives you balance, um, makes you well-rounded as a human being. You're able to pull little bits and pieces from your favorite people um, and incorporate them into who you want to be and who you are. So, Well, as much as I've learned to like your parents, I like them even more now, um, listening to you recount some of the good things that they've shared with you. So continued success right. to you all. And so <laughs> now you, that you've, you. you're very welcome, of course. And so now that you've graduated and man, that's behind you and what a journey, what a, what a story, et cetera. Um, you know, now it's time to begin your professional career. What, yeah. do you, what do you got in line with your professional career? What are you doing? Um, so what I want to do, ultimately, I want to own my own um, consulting consulting firm mm-hmm. for professional athletes. Oh, nice. Talk about it. Yeah. Um, as far as finance goes, because mm-hmm. um, as I observe, right, you see a lot of these athletes, um, they're re- retiring uh, earlier and earlier, right? Um, and a lot of them retire with, with no money because the money that they did make while they were in the league, they didn't know what to do with it. Right. right? And um, important stuff. Yeah, a lot of the information and, mm-hmm. and education I've been getting on finances, I feel like could benefit my people um, exponentially. I feel like it's it's almost invaluable information because it's something that carries itself throughout generations. Um, Agreed. Yeah, when, once you learn about money, that's why I feel like that's why um, uh, white people are at the top of the food chain in this country because they have information that they've been relaying in their family for generations and generations and it just keeps going and going. Mm-hmm. And us on the other end, we just, for some reason, it got lost in translation somewhere. We forgot who we were mm-hmm. and we are who we are now. So I feel like just educating yourself on finances, especially in the world we live in or the country we live in really is important because if you don't, you get screwed, you get screwed over. I agree so much. And also, you know, the, um, the scales were not balanced for us in our beginning here. Not in this at country. All. We know that, right. Not at all. But do we want to wear it on our sleeve always and, and lament about how awful our history was, or right. do we want to move forward? We do want to move forward. Absolutely. Um, and so I think effectively uh, it was taken from us because of circumstances, our, our sense of ourselves and our previous uh, direction. Right. And I think now, actually, for me, as an example, because I've learned so much about this this world we live in, this this sense of commerce, uh, this this business world, business ethics, and et cetera, mm-hmm. that now I don't I don't even have um, so much disenchantment with other people, other races, or what they have or don't have, because I have a handle on my own. Yeah, that's, and that's what's yeah. going to happen too. Wow, when you get a handle on your own, you don't emphasize the difference so much. You wind up coming together more on the basis of what you have in common instead of what's different. That's crazy. And it's common. It's common because you're on your way to good stuff. Because I literally had this thought the other day. Um, as I look at, you know, people that my family have attacked over the years, like uh, successful people, you know, like when, you know, the family conversations when you had the barbecue, yes. Christmas Thanks, Eve party, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're just having conversations yeah. and yeah. talking about wealthy people. For other people's, and, yes, yeah. success, yes. And what I realize is, now that I'm stepping into another, like, realm of thinking, yes. I realize that we just didn't understand those people. Precisely. 
that's that's really all it is. And, and fair play was an issue too. It wasn't always fair play. However, yeah, yeah, but I'm, yeah, back in the day, yeah, 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 yeah. your points taken. Yeah, yeah sure. um, I mean, like more so, like more recent, like you know, they'll they'll attack celebrities that are yes. like like the Kardashians. Um, a lot of times we attack them, but really, if you really look at um, what they've done as a family, it's honestly they're Chris Jenner is a genius, and you and you got to give her credit, like. She understands. I like that respect. Yeah, I like that respect. She understands show. marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, she, and she understands how people react to things. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't see how you can't appreciate that type of um, that type of application of knowledge. I feel like, um, and there's a unity factor in there too. Yeah, sticking together. Yeah, building your team. Yeah, that's yeah. that's 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 really why I respect it. It's like their you family. Go fast, go alone. But you want to go far? Like this. You go with your people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. Um. Yeah, I I feel you on Point that. That's, yeah, that's, that's definitely something that I've really been thinking about lately. It's just dang, like my whole life I've been taught these people are bad people. Like these people are this, this, and that. Mm-hmm. And when I really analyze and like study, study like I, nowadays I've been studying um just successful people, just watching their moves, listening to interviews, podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, little bits they have on YouTube, short video. I don't even care if they successful. I want to hear them. Um, well, there's a phrase that success leaves clues. Yeah, it does. So when you follow and you take a look at that path they've traveled, sometimes they leave some nuggets for us to pick up and learn from. Right. It's amazing. Definitely. Uh, well, you've been a college athlete, a top level college athlete, right? Mm-hmm. So that means you've been very healthy at some point in your life. Yeah. So how about now? How did you, did you, as you walk away from all that, do you still feel a sense of commitment to health and fitness? Is it important to you? It's almost subconscious. Like sometimes I literally will catch myself like in the middle of a week where I've just been in the middle of a week where I've been like eating bad. Right. Mm. And, and it happens to all of us. Yeah. And then I wake up in the morning and be like, dang, I look at my body and then like start paying attention to how I'm feeling throughout the day. And it's like, man, I need to I need to find something that gives me that discipline that track did um, that made me want to be fit and made me want to be healthy and i feel like i found that with you in this um and in boxing boxing. yeah definitely because it's something that i enjoy one um it's fun and it's something that keeps me healthy so definitely it's something i'm I'm aware of all the time because because i was an athlete Um, have you ever watched the wrestling meet at howard at all or any of those guys a uh, couple times in high school, yeah. Okay. Some of my partners uh, wrestled. Well, so imagine I wrestled mm-hmm. and I walked away from school with that same feeling like, dude, I, I got to find something. Yeah. I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. I, I got to. You don't go from being that extreme right. in, in your fitness and your focus right. and have nothing. It's crazy. Right. It, it goes right. back to balance. Like you said earlier, you got to yeah. have faith, um, faith, uh, fitness in some type of profession or Something, something that you're doing with yourself, something that you're occupying yourself with um, mm-hmm. when you're not working oh, out or when yeah. you're not participating in whatever. Faith Mental stimulation, have. physical stimulation, they all go together. Strong right, yeah. mind, strong body, yeah. great life. Uh, right? Absolutely. So there it is. So it's funny. You talked about participating in the, in my power kickboxing class, as it were, and I call it power because we we effectively try to make technique really be effective and learn it like really good so that it, it's good for you. So do you think that there's anything you walked away from there with so far? Have you learned anything that you keep? Uh, Respect, respectful. Oh, that's good. That's Um, good to hear. That's one word. That's that's one way I could sum up 
what I've been learning, just being around you, is just having respect for other human beings. And it's funny because I literally was just like, you, have you seen the new movie, uh, Joker? No, sir, I haven't seen it yet. I've been hearing all about it. People have been talking about it. Yeah, it's been a lot of uh, reviews, good yeah. and bad. No, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So it's, I feel like that movie kind of, I'm trying to figure out how I'm connecting these two how, in my brain, how I just connected. Well, respect being the key, there must have been either the absence of respect in the mm-hmm. movie or he showed respect to something or right. someone. It was basically the movie to me. Well, it was multiple layers to the movie, but one layer of it was just having respect for others. Mm-hmm. Right. And always treating humans with the same respect that you would want to be treated with because you don't know anything about that person. Um, that person could be mentally ill. That person could be about to go off the rails. You could do one thing to them that just sets them off and just completely they snap. So I feel like and a lot of t- a lot of the reviews from the movie is that, um, oh, this is giving uh, crazy people an excuse to do bad things. And really, I feel like that's a deflection. Uh, people are deflecting what the movie really is trying to uh, get people to see. And that's just looking in the mirror, um, looking at more panic, more attention to what you're doing instead of trying to deflect, um, you know, your your deficiencies or your or your your flaws on other people that are mentally ill. It's like he's mentally ill. He can't help what's wrong with him. So as since you are more sane than that man, you need to respect him as a human being because he is a human being at the end of the day. So, and I feel like that movie just popped up in my head because of, I feel like that's what you embody. Um, just, re- just respectfulness and just being respectful of people in their space. Well, you've even heard me talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have. Yeah. That's something. And I make that announcement because I don't want somebody to think that I'm looking, I'm looking for you to revere me. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. It's about us. It's about all of us. It's about the history of us and the people who came before us. Right. It's about us standing right here now and giving each other each other's time. Right. It's all the people that will follow us. And you talked about legacy earlier. Mm-hmm. All that stuff ties together to make human beings a great family, a great community. Mm-hmm. And I think when you respect each other in that way, it just helps across the board. And here we think about something like kickboxing or karate or self-defense as violence, right? But it's funny when you do it like that and you're invested, you find that violence is the last thing on your mind. You're trying to perfect a craft and in a room with other people respecting the process. So to have you put that at the top of your list is is very encouraging for me, very positive. And I thank you for that. Yeah, respect is. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome as well. I think you know for real, right? Yeah. So, you know, I've seen photographs of you to jump to another subject because it just jumped into my mind and I'm smiling now about it. <laughs> I've seen photographs of you dressed to kill, bruh, cleaning in the board of health, right? Mm-hmm. And so have you got an affection for fashion and, and dressing well? And if so, why? How come? What's up with that? Um, I mean, I've seen the suede shoes and all yeah. that, man. You're not even supposed <laughs> to know nothing about that, boy. I get that from my pops. Man. What is up with my, you? My pops, and he got it from his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, Love that. So it's like, that's just something that runs in my, f- I honestly, I feel like I was just born with it. Uh, and my brother too, my, my middle brother, Brandon, uh, I get a lot of my style and how I, you know, dress depending on this, the the setting. I feel like I, on the street, like just street clothes, mm-hmm. I feel like I got a lot of that 
from my, my brother and mm-hmm. um, some of my favorite like entertainers mm-hmm. like uh, Nip is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Dom Kennedy is one. He's another. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know who he is mm-hmm. or another rapper. Mm-hmm. Um, so my brothers and two of my favorite rappers, I feel like I got a lot of my style from. And then as far as putting suits on and like dressing <laughs> up, that's definitely my dad. Um, Crazy. And I, I mean, I wore that as a professional attire like every day right. for the last like 35 years. Right. That's crazy. I lie. Actually, I got some of my street fashion from my dad too because he wears a lot of sweatsuits. Right. Yeah, but I, they smooth. Yeah. You they see? cold. Yeah. Yeah, man. And that's something I was known for in high school see? just wearing sweatsuits. They would call yeah. me Coach Corey sometimes mm-hmm. or Uncle Corey because mm-hmm. I look like somebody uncle or somebody coach because I always got some sweats on mm-hmm. and some trainers. So. That's something that my style, my fashion, definitely. I get it from my pops, my brother, and two of my favorite rappers is Don. So, so here's the thing: mm-hmm. personal identity, right? Mm-hmm. How is how important is it for us, us people, and especially us men uh, in particular? To, you know, have a good sense of ourselves with pride and culture and respect. Right. I mean, if you had to talk to someone, what would you say about that? How important is it? All three of those things? Yeah, any or any or all three to right. present yourself accordingly. Culture and respect. I feel like culture is um something you, you should understand about whatever it is your ethnicity is or race or whatever that may be, because it gives you a sense of who you are. Um, like you said, self-identity. It kind of lets you know it, it allows you to step into your greatness. Um you see what came before you and why you should strive for greatness because the people before you were, and that's what they were striving for greatness for, for you to see what they did and for you to pick up on that. So, And, you know, it just made me think about those people without images. Mm-hmm. Now you can see why they struggle so much. Right. Because they don't have an idea about where they're supposed to go and what right. they're supposed to do. No vision. You know, yeah. yeah. No street signs, no right. roadmaps, right. you know, on the road alone. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, my lot in life is no matter what, from now to the day I die. I think it's uh, by design to just wherever I can help other people get stronger and sharper. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. So, so really, really good. So when you're focusing on the respect and culture issue and the quality of it all, mm-hmm. is it for others or is it for yourself? What do you mean? Meaning, like, you'll dress well, mm-hmm. and you'll go out, and you'll feel good. So is that to, to show somebody, right. or is that a personal identity? That's personal identity. Um, that's funny you asked me that, because last year, one of my best friends, his name is uh, Benny Dias, he would, uh, I think he said something like, you are, you are here trying to impress some girls mm-hmm. or something like that. Like, who are you that's trying to impress? Yes, sir. And I told him, I'm like, I'm not trying to impress nobody. Nine times out of ten, when I get dressed and look in the mirror, I'm trying to outdo myself. Mm-hmm. Um and that's just, I don't know what where I get that from, but that's, yeah, that's why I dress the way I dress or get fly the way I get fly, because I just want to, I want to outdo myself. You know, I, I feel like, and that and that goes back to being a professional, right, and and an athlete. Those are those are two things that are major. Um, you always want to outdo yourself. You always want to be better than you were yesterday. So I feel like that's just a part of who I am. I just Very want, nice. like, elevation, like I said earlier. Very nice. Yeah, you started it that way. Yeah. What I love about you is you're remaining consistent throughout the, the discussion here. Elevate continues to come up. Yeah. To bring yourself to another level and then another level all mm-hmm. again, right? Yeah. That's the progress, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then doing it for yourself, bruh. I'm telling you, I'm with you so much. There's a phrase that I encountered along the way, and it's the the manner in which we perform 
even the most mundane acts, is a statement of who we are. We resemble our performance and our performance resembles us. Mm -hmm. So it's one and the same on who you are inside and how you're presenting yourself outside. Absolutely. And the opposite is true, too, for somebody that's not in control. Mm -hmm. When they're out of control, it tends to show. Yeah. Right? And a lot of times, what you just said, a lot of, a lot of people would um, miss it, but wouldn't understand what you just said mm -hmm. because... When people say you should always be presentable and dress nice, they think you gotta have one designer or have on mm -hmm. something that you bought from Neiman's or uh, Saks Fifth, and that's not necessarily what people mean. They mean being presentable just means you taking care of your hygiene, one, mm -hmm. and you just being clean, like being someone who has on mm -hmm. clothes that are just presentable, just look clean, crisp, it ain't gotta be from no expensive. You can go to Walmart, go to Target, go to like. For example, I get hoodies and stuff and T-shirts and socks and stuff from department stores like mm -hmm. Ross. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, what's the other one right across from Ross? TJ Maxx. Mm -hmm. And people be asking me where I get it from. And when I tell them, they're like, wait, you got it from where? And it's like, that's a perfect example of like, you don't have to buy the most expensive stuff in the world to be to be fly. You don't. You just got to know how to put it together. Mm -hmm. Really. Staying in line with you and yeah, who you are. Absolutely. It's not about trying to prove something to somebody else. Absolutely. And frankly, you talk about being an athlete, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes the 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 time you're searching for is maybe not even on one on the clock. It's the one inside you. Yeah. You're competing against you when you're at your optimum, really. Right. It's not even the other absolutely, guy so yeah. much. Just trying to be your mm -hmm. best, right? I saw my coach, um, my coach David Oliver, he was a uh, bronze medalist in uh I want to say, I think it was 2012 Olympics and a gold medalist in the 2015 World Championships. Mm -hmm. And he's he's one of the best hurdlers to ever touch a track. Mm -hmm. um, and he will always say that same thing you just said. The best athletes in the world are not worried about the other athletes on the track. Um, and it's just talking in track terms. This is any, any, uh, any um, sport. It's just... The best athletes in whatever in whatever sport they're partaking in are always competing against them. They're never worried about the next man nine times out of ten. Because when, once you start worrying about other people, that's when you lose focus. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. And as an athlete, focus is everything. So, so you mean like this guy on the screen that you're looking at right here? Yep, that, that guy right there. Yep. Yeah, yeah, relays. Yeah, uh -huh. picture of you. I see it, time relay. All day. Yep. That's what's going on the website page. Right? Where I was kind of being. Uh huh. See. And so effectively, I think we're on the right path, I think, because the consistency you're showing is amazing. So what's your advice to others to get in touch and stay in touch with themselves in the pursuit of their goals? What's some, what's some features, benefits of that? What's some what's some effective methods you think of doing some of that? One or two right. things you might that might come to you. I would say really take take time to spend with yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't be so eager to spend time with other significant time with other people. You need to spend significant time with yourself because that's, those are the moments where you question why you do certain things mm -hmm. um, and how you can fix them. Um, so I would say self-reflection, one of them. And that's, that's one of the hardest things to do as a human being is self-reflecting um, because you don't want to, you don't want to point out your flaws to yourself almost. It's like you don't want to believe stuff about yourself. And uh, self-reflection and being honest with yourself is one thing I would, I would suggest. And another would be 
observing yourself when you're around other people. So it's literally just um, two contrasting, you know what I mean, like methods. I feel like you got to be self-aware and and self-reflect, but also at the same time, observe yourself when you are around other people, when you're around uh, different crowds, like when you're around small crowds, when you're around large crowds, when you're at a party or when you're like, how do you conduct yourself in different settings? I would say is, is one method you can really get in tune with yourself and understand who you are, why you do stuff, you know, and just get a, a better hold on, you know, your identity. So mm-hmm. I feel like those are two two things I feel like that helped me. Very good. Yeah. And all tied into the just effective self-awareness principle, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I love to think of this when I think of the the inventory, personal inventory and self-awareness principle. Have you ever helped your mom and dad clean up around the house? Ever. Yeah. Okay. A couple times. Say, yeah. yeah. Couple of times. <laughs> I was going to say. I, I was going to say, like, I was almost never. Like, I would wake up. I know. I know. Yeah, I would wake up on the weekend sometimes. My mom would just be cleaning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. That's how we did it, too. Because it's sometimes more difficult to get y'all's ass in gear than it is. Yeah. But after, after the family functions and the party mm-hmm. of the year, I definitely had to help. But think in terms of, of this as an analogy. If, if you have a home, like this one we're sitting in, or yours and your parents, right? And you have a closet. Right. And sometimes these closets we use, they fill up. Right. Right. So let's just say you have a closet in your house that you never open the door to ever or a room in your house that you never open the door to ever. You don't know what's in there. You don't know how to deal. You don't know whatever else. Are you running your house as well as you should if you're not going in that room at all? No, not at all. No, that's a great. That's I'm trying to think who used that analogy. I heard that before. Dang. Right. You're gonna make me Google it. It'll I come to you. Yeah. It'll come to you. I heard but, that analogy. Yeah, but it's yeah. important to to know every part of your own house. Exactly. Right? And so how to use it and to maintain it. And yes, it comes with a level of difficulty sometimes, right? Sometimes even pain because you don't want to because there's a memory or something there, right? right? Or it's too much dust or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But I, I love to take care of my house. I like yeah. to know more about my house than anybody. Definitely. And I want to continue to study and understand others so I understand myself better. Oh, I got another method for um, self-identity. Mm-hmm. When somebody is trying to tell you about yourself, mm-hmm. you should listen. Ah. You know, it's really funny. The first thing we do is we feel that it's an assault yeah, we, we, on our we, character. Our and that's literally mind, something I literally right? just start, started working on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to get rid of my arrogance, right? A lot of mm-hmm. times we want to shove, you know, people's opinions of us off as if they're hating on us or mm-hmm. they don't really like us. or. Mm-hmm. But, and again, this comes back to being self-aware. You got to really... That's the first step, I feel like. And these the last two I mentioned um, are the next ones. But mm-hmm. just when somebody trying to like, just yesterday, my mom, um, I had I had drove through the fast track because I forgot my cash mm-hmm. on the way to an appointment Uh-oh. in yeah. Venetia. I left my cash on my, uh, my, my nightstand. Yeah. And my mom, when I got back home, I told her what happened. And she's like, I'm going to need you to be more intentional with what you're doing sometimes. Because sometimes... You're, you're sometimes you can be a freelancer and you get easily distracted. And I wanted to say something so bad in the old me, like the, the two weeks ago, I would have said something two months ago. Two exactly. Years ago. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. something in me just told me to take a deep breath and really listen to what she's saying and analyze mm-hmm. some situations that I do lose focus 
and I get distracted and it ends up ending in something that either I got to spend some money or I, whatever it may be because I'm definitely going to get fined for that. Dude, bravo, man. Yeah. Bravo, bro. You know, it's back to that principle of emotion and intellect. It's really interesting that there are times when emotion has its place and it's important, like trying to share a relationship with someone, especially of the opposite sex. You're trying to build, you're trying to grow a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all good. Mm-hmm. And emotion has its place. It's really important. Yeah. But there are other times when intellect is better. More and counting yeah. to 10 before yeah. you open your mouth yeah. is sometimes one of the smartest things you can do. I've had yeah. customers of all. I've seen every kind of sales and business situation you can even believe. Mm-hmm. I've had customers be absolutely irately wrong and disrespectful and everything. And I've seen some be very positive and wonderful and, and warm. Right. But I have learned um, tact. You know, Webster defines the word tact. And people who know me know that they've probably heard this once or twice mm-hmm. because it's really important to me. Yeah. The ability to appreciate the delicacy of a given situation and to do or say the most fitting thing. Mm-hmm. You can always do something. Mm-hmm. But can you do what's the most fitting? Exactly. Sometimes it requires us to slow down a little. And think, yeah. And stop. Stop right. being so reactionary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There may be some truth and there may be, and maybe not. Maybe they're wrong. Mm-hmm. But thinking about it is worth it. Oh, yeah. Well, my mom speaks about well, something. Well, your mom's she, fine. She, she got your, she yeah. got your, you know, your whole life. 100.1% you know, of the time. Yeah, she loves you, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't doubt about that. Yeah. Plus he's got world experience. So too, Definitely. she's trying to I will you know. I will never I will never say I'm smarter than somebody who's been living longer than me. So. Well, that's pretty good of you to say that. Tell Ali yeah. when you see him, okay? <laughs> yeah, we Ali's also learning too. Uh, really. My my dear son is really growing. I, I'm really proud of him because I, I see, see him too. altering, mm-hmm. you know, his perspective. Over and, time, yeah. And he's got a good brain and a wonderful personality and all that stuff. But everybody has to go at their own pace. You yeah. know? So and that's what parents that's where parents' difficulty comes in. Because mm-hmm. they gotta be patient, right? And right. pace themselves too with right. you. Right. So and that's what we've learned right. to do. So that's one thing that the, the business that. that I that I entered, profession or that I entered mm-hmm. with finance. Um that's definitely something I had to learn that people move at their own pace. Yes, sir. Um, that is right. Because when you get into the business, you, you wanna tell so many people about it. You wanna mm-hmm. You want to give people this information, like, bro, you got to come down and, and listen to it. Like, just sit and listen to what he's mm-hmm. saying. And Ali was one of my, one of the friends that was with it at, but he was with going. Mm-hmm. But he would more so, like, be like, oh, man, I got something to do. And it's like, I don't understand why some of my friends won't come with me to come to see this stuff. And it took one of my mentors in the business, which happens to be my older cousin. He was telling me, bro, everybody moves at their own pace. Precisely. You cannot for somebody to do anything precisely that is right he said you just got to give it time you got to do your due diligence really um you can't be trying to bring somebody and and to to, to see what you're doing until you really start getting a hold of what it is that you are doing and yeah and i was like man that that makes that makes a lot of sense and Mm -hmm. once i started putting my head down and just kind of get more into the business and more into working on me as for me just the professional solely me that's when people started seeing the results, and that's when it was like, "Oh man, I'm gonna come down to the office and come." Yeah, or it gets organic. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's not forced anymore. No. It's 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 weird because yes, sir. it's not even weird. It makes sense. It's yes. it's really just the law of attraction. You mm-hmm. attract what you're exposed to, mm-hmm. and 
I feel like it all just comes full circle. When you're doing stuff for the right reason, everything comes together. Yeah, and often when you're fortunate enough, like attracts like. So you're going to find people who you have more in common with as you go. And you just sure. won't, it won't be every person. It may, yeah. it may not be every other person. Yeah. You know, in business, we call it, in sales, we call it that sales cycle. Right. Sometimes you'll make a presentation to a customer and they may not buy from you for a year and a half. Right. Right. And you may have talked to them 10 different times. And somebody else, you may meet them in the same day that they need to place an order. Right. And sales cycles vary from customer to customer, situation to situation. Right. And that's why that temperance, that peace of mind you have about just doing your business every day, right. it really matters because you rush it mm-hmm. and you want to hurt yourself. Yeah. And then you get frustrated. Yeah. Right. Definitely. And just so you know, too, Ali spoke to me in detail about this opportunity and asked me what I felt about it. Mm-hmm. And I gave him my detailed account of what I thought. And right. I think that's when he pulled the trigger and decided to go. Yeah. I'm not giving my, I'm not he trying to give myself that. Oh, he did? Okay, yeah. good, good, good. He said, good. Um, give he him said, credit. He said the only reason he even considered it mm-hmm. is because of me. Because he well, respects That's me. what I told him about you. Yeah. That's the truth of the matter. Right. I said, here's where the benefit lies, sir. If you're going to go into a business opportunity in a, a buddy sense, in a partnership sense, then having Corey is a really great choice because his head is on straight, his feet are level, and he's trying to progress in a way that's going to be helpful for not just you, but for himself. And in the end, that kind of unity, bro, I mean, you, you can't even pay for it. You, you can't even find it if you it want it. So it's really, rare. I'm wishing It's actually very both. rare. Mm-hmm. I would agree very much, yeah. right? Seeing, being on the same level, seeing the same picture. You know, it's the proverbial mastermind principle. The mastermind principle is two or more minds working together in perfect harmony for a common goal. And the key is that perfect harmony because it's so elusive and so difficult to get. Yeah. But when you can get it, now you don't have two minds anymore. You have one great mind. Mm-hmm. And you put a third, a fifth, a tenth, a twelfth, mm-hmm. a fifteenth all in there. Right. Next thing you know, you got a hell of a mind. Definitely. That's, that's really why. That's why I love talking about my parents so much because I feel like they're polar opposites. Yeah, I love it too. But they're alike in, know, huh? in, in one way. They want their family to be yeah. the best it possibly can be as far as health, wealth, faith, all that good stuff, um, mental, mental space. And I feel like they really put their minds together to to bring us out of a situation that would have been a, a detriment to our family. Um, the situation we was in before we moved to Antioch, yeah. California. Um so I feel like that's that's something I just really appreciate my parents for is having the maturity and, and, and the wherewithal and and taking on that responsibility and ownership that we need to create a better situation for our family. Good stuff. Period. Been there. Yeah. Been there. Lo- I actually love that place now that I reflect. Yeah. The grandest, greatest thing that I have ever done in my life without question and I don't have to think twice about it at all, and it will go with me to my grave, is this action of being somebody's father and somebody's husband in here in this process of building something. Right. You know, our team and getting us this far. Definitely. Crazy. I was talking to a female friend of mine last night. And she, I was telling her, we was watching a video like this dude and his son. We was watching a bunch of Vine videos, this dude and his son just making videos together, having fun together. Mm-hmm. And... I literally just thought to myself, like, dang, like, that's the first time in my life where I actually thought about having a son and how cool it would be to have literally a smaller me. 
Like, this is me. Like, this is a part of me. This is somebody who came from me. And I kind of internalized that and felt like, damn, like, I, I really, I can't wait till that day where I could be, I could be a father to my son or my daughter. I don't even, I just want to help the kid. I don't even care. Because you're back to truth and service. Yeah, again, I don't care. What, you're yeah. back to truth and service again. <laughs> See? Can't get away. Yeah. See that principle? Yeah. Following definitely. you? Mm-hmm. See how it's following You know, it's crazy, too, when I, when I was... Uh, approaching graduation, I was real like salty about my college experience. Uh, I would always tell my mom, like, I ain't learned nothing. College didn't teach me nothing. I mean, but what I get caught up in is the same thing a lot of uh, young black men get caught up in is the ideology of things instead of the practicality. I got caught up in the idea of learning something that's valuable. And I thought I had a, a good grasp on what that is. Until I start, until I graduate and start living life, and I'm like, damn, like college really taught me the, the practicalities of things, the reality of things, instead of me thinking I I know everything. College really just accelerated my my, my, my maturation process. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, Good. I feel like that's what it. That's something that it did for me and strong humility man yeah it matters very much it's good it to be does. confident but it's good to balance out a little bit and chill and definitely learn from some other stuff too balance so where do you go from here from here um i'm gonna just continue to be to be a, a better person the next day and the next day and the next day for as, as long as i can as long as god will allow me to yes sir um, very good I want to keep growing my business, um, which is in finance, uh, specializing in pre and post retirement, um, college plans, kids, people with kids. Um, I can help them. Debt management. We all know people in debt. Um, keep a brother posted, man. Yeah, keep a yeah. brother posted. So since, just, I, since I got a, a, yeah. a housemate here who I'm already seeing it happen, I will be aware of what's going on. So absolutely, at some yeah. point we'll um, maybe have another follow up uh, mm-hmm. and talk about where you are from there. Definitely, but yeah, we could do that for sure. So we've, I think we've done a really great job um, today, I think, of focusing on some really important issues, but focusing on you, the human being, and that work you put in to try and grow yourself to here. And how old are you, rather? 22 years, now. 22 <laughs> years old. So you mm-hmm. see what I'm saying is be proud of yourself for what you've put in mm-hmm. to your 22 years. And I think, bro, the years ahead of you are going to be very positive because your focus is can be. So before we close out today and, and we move ourselves, you know, away from this interview and on to our life again for the in preparation for the next one, you know, what word of advice would you leave for the audience? Just any general word of advice about their progress and development or, you know, any sense of what comes to your mind right now, because you're a smart man. And I'd love to hear you close this interview with what you think is one of the most important things. Um. I was in I was at a convention in uh, in Vegas um, in July uh, for a financial convention, and my Uber driver, mm. um, we were we, me and my my friend Zuzi Webster, uh, one of my business partners, we were talking to the to the Uber driver, and he was you know talking to us, just giving us game, um, and talking to us about how he built the business through Uber with him and his kids, right. And he was talking about how they built the business, um, how they went and lease cars, and basically broke it down to a science of how they're making money and how their cash flow is going, right? And then we started talking about um, just currency wars with China and America, just, you know, a bunch of different stuff, touching on a bunch of different stuff. And he knew a lot about a lot 
right? And I asked them, I was like, so how did you like, how did you learn all this? How did you attain all this knowledge? And he said, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, since, since I was 16 years old and I'm, he, I think he said he was 47. No, 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 57, my bad. Since I was 16 years old up to this point in my life, I've taken time out of my day, at least an hour or two in the morning to learn something new every day. And that's the best advice I feel like I've, I've gotten in maybe the past year is just learning something new every day um, and trying to, and that just adds about like my pop says this too. And I didn't realize my pop said the same thing, just in a different way. He said, learn something new every day. My pops always tells me, add value to yourself every day. Um, whatever that may be, whether that's physically, mentally, spiritually, intellectually, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, just add some value to yourself every day because it feeds you as the human being. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes back to building that identity and reaching for more. So and elevating, that's the only way you could do it is with, is with knowledge, uh, knowledgeable information and then applying it, applying it. So, wow. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> consider yourself blessed right here. <laughs> Cause this boy has got it and gone. <laughs> So I, I, I just got to tell you how pleased I am for this interview, Mr. Corey Lombard. I'll tell you I'm what. I'm pleased to thank you for having me. It's, it's, yeah, it's an man. honor, a great honor, really. Outstanding. Um, such a, a respectable man. Ah, uh, thank you. Somebody so that I've, I've, always, uh, I've always raved about as far as you as a father. Oh, thank you. Um, because you raised one of my best friends and one of the best human beings that I know. So I definitely appreciate you for that, and thank you for that. Uh, Very welcome. That's nice of you. And thank yourself. you for having me on your on your platform, man. It's it's much much appreciated. Let's go. More to do, right? Yeah, for sure. So as we close out, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us again today for another episode of Round Twelve. May you live as long as you want, and never want as long as you live. May the worst days of your future be like the best days of your past. And may you continue to answer life's bell every time. Until we meet again, time!